Right, uh, a funny story, funny story. I'm not sure if I've told you a story before. As soon as you say funny story, I'm probably setting myself up for a fail here, aren't I? Because I'm going to share a story, it's not going to be funny, and I'm just going to look really daft. But if I've told you a story of Father McKillich before, I'm not sure if that's a true story. Certainly a funny story for me, but I've got a really weird sense of humor. So Father McKillich was a preacher and uh, <coughs> got his, in his car, driving around America to preach the gospel. And he got to Texas. Car broke down. And so Father McKillick didn't hear on a transportation to go from village to village to preach the gospel. So a local Texan guy came and said, look, I've got a car for you. Would you like a horse? Father McKillick thought, well, beggars can't be choosers, can they? I'll go for a horse. The local lad says, the good news is the horse is a Christian. Father McKillick says, how do you get in if the horse is a Christian? Says, His name's Solomon. And he says, if you say, praise him, the horse will go. If you say, amen, the horse will stop. So Father McKillick gets all excited, goes, I want his horse here to preach the gospel. Completely forgets about the rules that he's just been told. He's driving through, he's gone through a village on his horse, and then a car, see if a car backfires, it goes bang. Goes like that, horse starts pelting it, a million mile an hour. He's coming to the end, edge of a cliff, Father McKillick, doing the only thing he can for today, the Lord's Prayer. Goes through the Lord's Prayer, I'll be on them. At the edge of the cliff, he says, Amen. And if it happens, the horse stops. Father McKillick sees a miracle and says, Oh, praise him. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last one he ever saw, Father McKillick. It was funny, wasn't it? It was right. Okay. So, that's Father McKillick. Praise him. You'll mind and not him. The Word of God. We're on this looking at the biblical foundations of fellowship. Last week we spoke on faith is to be led by the Ruach of God, the Spirit of God, that He wouldn't just come, as we see throughout the Old Testament, in dribs and drabs, but the Ruach of God was for every single believer, that the breath of God, that God would come by His wind, by His Spirit, the, the breath of God's His fresh breath. This morning, I'm going to take us on a journey, a little journey, not too long a journey, because the sun is out, and we're in the broch, and if I keep you hostage for an hour and a half, just by speaking, you'll say, oh, it's barbecue time, Kev, come on, we don't get the sun here. So, we've got to go through a quick journey about the temple of the Holy Spirit. You must believe this, that Jesus says, you believe in Him, you will be born again. You will hear the Spirit of the living God upon our lives. But we've got to take a journey through the Bible to deal with the temple. So God's plan through history is that He would be not contained, because we cannot contain God, but He'd be found in a temple. In Exodus chapter 26, we see the Lord directing Moses and the wilderness to build a temple, a tabernacle. That's when the Jewish people were wanderers. Pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. 
that on a given time they would have to up sticks and move. So God instructed them to have a tabernacle that was movable. Moses also carried the tent or meat and far. It was a holy place that Moses would go in as the leader, receive instruction. This wasn't for everybody. This was just for Moses. Until the time of Aaron from God says, right, I want it to be bigger. I'm going to expand it. There is a design. And God told Moses to design for the tabernacle. And Aaron was to be the priest through the he was selected through the budded rod. Within that tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. Good Bible students can fit in the Ark of the Covenant. And if you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, you might can fit in the Ark of the Covenant. There was a tablet, a stone, the law of the Word. Christ was the Word, became flesh. There was also the manna that came from heaven was contained in the Ark of the Covenant because Christ is the bread of life that came down. And also the bud, the Aaron's, Aaron's rod that had budded because Christ is resurrection power that can make dead things live. This was contained in the Ark of the Covenant. God gave him direction. This is a tabernacle. And they only can enter into the tabernacle, it was to be a habitation for the Lord, where His glory would reside. And before the priest went in, Aaron, there was a sacrifice, or sin sacrifice. The lamb, the goats, there's pigeons being sacrificed as well. The point that I want you to get is this was a holy place for God's habitation by His presence, and it wasn't for Abdi just to walk in casually, oh, I think I'll go to the tabernacle today, see if it God said. It was for a select few, and you could only enter in through the blood, the tabernacle. And God could say, only time move, and they had to pack away the tabernacle and move somewhere else and set up again, special place for the Lord. And then you go forward, that the Israelites move had been wanderers, the settlers, and King David, Ken about him. He had a place for the Lord, but he wanted a bigger place for the Lord. No longer a tabernacle that was to up sticks and move, but he wanted a temple for the Lord, a place that would just inhabit God's presence. He wanted to build it, and God says, no, you've got blood in your hands, David. I want your son to build it, Solomon. So, King David was a bit distraught about us, but he accepted this was God's why. And if you remember, Gib spoke about being undignified. He moved the Ark of the Covenant back to the house of David, and there was a big celebration, but there was big preparation for this temple. And God gave Solomon the direct design for the temple. It was to be a special place. I was gold. I was bronze. The finest temper was shipped for Awai to set up. The, I mean, if you was going to build a house for God, it would have to look amazing, wouldn't it? It couldn't just be some shack. Solomon was wealthy beyond wealthy. This place would have just looked excellent, excellent, excellent. God gave him the design for the inhabitation or His presence. Again, it was holy. 
It was a place to commune with God. It was a place of sacrifice. It was a place that few people could enter. In fact, there were stories of people bursting in for safety because they thought it was a place of safety, and if you didn't approach the altar right, you could die because it was so, so holy. The mercy seat of Jesus was there. The temple, tabernacle, a place of His presence, a place that was set apart, a special place. And if I was to say to you, okay, 2022, fit is the temple of the Lord, far as a special place. You'd be forgiven for thinking it was church buildings. It's a place we come. It's a place we see as special, that we feel as though this is holy ground. It's a place of sacrifice, for we partake of the emblems. It's a place of rejoicing. It's a place where we commune with God. We speak to Him. We believe He speaks to us through His Spirit. It's a place where we meet together. And biblically, it speaks about living stones as a church coming together. So, when we come together as living stones, we're a special place for the Lord, for two or three are gathered. That's what we missed Jordan Locke doing, wasn't it? We missed the two or three gathered. Yes, we can worship Jesus, but there's something special when the body of Christ comes together and the worship team lead us because Christ inhabits the praises of His people. But I want to read this for First Corinthians chapter 6. Run from sexual sin, verse 18. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God Himself? You do not belong to yourself. God has bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. <clears throat> New covenant thinking. This blows my mind, and for some of you it might be, ah, well, la, 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 just nice words. Tabernacle, presence, filled with the Holy Spirit, holy place, few people got to enter. Moses spoke to God like a friend in the tent of meeting temple, <clears throat> beautiful, priceless, designed by God, given to man as a special place only a few could enter. New covenant thinking. After Jesus paid the price so that we could be born again, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ within us, the mystery of the gospel that we would carry the specialness, a Holy Spirit, God Himself living in us. And you think, nah, I'm not worthy. I'm not feeling it. How can it be? I look at Solomon's temple, I understand you erect a building for God. It looks amazing. He will come and live 
by His Shekinah glory? How can it be that Kevin Duthie, born and bred in the broch, brocked up, near in wealth, near the most beautiful man that's ever walked the planet, I'm near George Clooney, he didn't have to tell me, but yet God would choose me as He has chosen you to be a temple of the Holy Spirit so that you can carry His presence and His moments yourself to commune with God. And as soon as you believe in Christ, you did not just join a club card church, and we are the people that didn't go to the bingo, we go to church on a Sunday. That we are the people of God, temples of the Holy Spirit, bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And Paul is telling the church in Corinth, do you now realize, flee for sin, flee for immorality, you, yourself, are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That we could be led by this inward presence, the Shekinah glory dwells in us. Do you not realize, according to Romans, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you and quickens your mortal bodies? If I would raise a hand and just say, I believe. I'm not asking you to believe me. Believe the truth. If I believe that they're a temple of the Holy Spirit, come on. This is powerful. Christ would come and live within me with my weaknesses, with my failures, with my regrets, with my stinking attitude that Christ would come and dwell and make His home within people. No longer a temple, a tabernacle, a place, but humanity that He came and paid for. If you're still following me, if you're taking notes, I turn to Matthew chapter 21, 12. This story is recorded in each of the Gospels, so it's quite important. And I want us to be new covenant glasses just to see what Jesus was doing here. Okay, so, raise hand. I believe, whether I feel it or not, I believe today I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm born again, bought with a price, honor God with my body, with my life, He lives within me. I'm a habitation of the Lord. That's the truth of the gospel. We're not just a happy clap is. We're born again. It's not a tag. It's a reality. If you believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter if it fellowship you go to, if it kirk you attend, disciple course you do, if you believe in Jesus, comes by His presence, an inward guide through the Holy Spirit, counselor. We could go on and describe the Holy Spirit, comforter, counselor, empowerer. Verse, chapter 21, verse 12. I want to speak on deliverance just for a few moments, okay? Usually say deliverance in a church and people are like, ah, he's a water go, casting out demons and ah, he's going weird again. Deliverance is still part of the New Testament church. It's inescapable. And we think, hey, 
just the demons that run Africa and we witch doctors. I am telling you, you can be born again, but be oppressed with the enemy. I've journeyed with people long enough. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I've been oppressed myself. It's not something I want, but it's something I believe. God can deliver you faith. It could be intrusive thoughts, bound behavior, nightmares in the middle of the night, thinking you're so less than you are. It can come in our shapes or form. It can be sexual sin, immorality, adultery, the whole shooting match of sin. The truth is, God can deliver you for every single one of them. He didn't need to be bound. Verse 12, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. These people are selling doves. Who's a dove of know? Holy Spirit, peace. Selling it. Anyway, he said to them, the Scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. Verse 14, I think, is quite important. The blind and the lame then came to him in the temple, and he healed them. There was a design for the temple. The design for the temple is that nobody would be selling animals for sacrifice on the property. Further where that was the area for the Gentiles. It was still a holy area, but if he was a non-Jew, he was allowed there. He wasn't allowed far enough, okay? And then I got too deep into other areas of the temple. That was the area they were at. Wasn't it by design? It was there just by default. Something happened. Somebody had a suggestion. So one day, this was a Gentile court area. The non-Jews was allowed to come for sacrifices. <clears throat> Somebody had a bright idea. All these people are coming for an hour for Passover. Why do we not make a bit of money? Sell doves, sell whatever you want, badges to say Passover, T-shirts to say we, we're celebrating Passover, tables. If it sounded like a good idea, it's a bad idea. Sometimes things sound like good ideas, but if it's near by God's design, it's a bad idea. You might say, well, if it was wrong, getting some money for the temple, people were coming, looking for sacrifices, it's a one-one, meeting a need, gaining some finances for it. If it was wrong about it, was, wasn't it God's design? They just slipped into it by default. Maybe a leader of the Sanhedrin came and says, well, let's just put one table here. Let's just try it, see if it works, see if it, 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 people are accepting of it earn a bit of cash, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Put up a table one year, make a bit of cash, nobody says one thing. I says, I want to raise a lot of money in the temple. Next year, so that one table by default. We forgot the design. Two tables, three tables, four tables. Let's raise as much money as we can. These people are coming our way for Passover. They forgot the design could be like the journey of sin, New Testament. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes in to our lives, and He wants to drive out a thing that is never by design, O oh God. Simply there by default. That happens. 
it was still the temple. It wasn't being used by the God design. People, even with the right motives, with the right heart, can mark mistakes. And sometimes we just open up doors in our life. We just pop a table for the enemy to come and dine with us. The example that Paul gave, flee for sexual immorality. This is adult service, isn't it? This isn't a Sunday school. We can speak about these things. Flee for it. You see, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But an open door can come. And our shapes and forms and sizes. Go to the internet that you can log on to on a thing and God comes. And these people to drive out the things that are there by default, but nay, by God's design. Because these things ruin you. You think, oh, just a little bit of sand, they'll ruin you. They'll ruin your marriage. They will ruin something that was God-ordained and supposed to be beautiful and perverted and goes wild and it spirals out of control and there was one table there, then there's three tables. And yet Christ comes to drive out the things in our life that are near there by God's design. And I think a deliverance ministry for people to get prayer for these things that bind them should still be part of church of the day. I'm looking forward to the Freedom Center once we get it printed and organized and ready. I was on. And it's a safe place. Sometimes it's difficult to pray about these things at the front of church again, but we a safe place when people can come in and just say, I'm bound. I need prayer. I'm a born-again Christian, yet I feel defeated. We can have people just to pray for them and be delivered the sin that so easily entangles. Could be these things that we didn't like speaking about, but they destroy people's lives. Safe place. Come on. Let's see Jesus drive out these tables. See, I'm tap up a few tables. This is the Jesus that the church is now familiar with. Most people's Jesus would walk in and just love on the merchant sellers and give him a pat on the back and say, God loves you. Jesus says, passion for the temple consumes me. That temple would be destroyed in a few years. If it's Jesus saying, passion for his people, passion for my people consume me. I can't allow them to carry my presence, but to be bound and sell themselves short by default because God's got a design for you to be completely set free in Jesus' name. The ev- every intrusive thought, I would say, it would shock you. If I was to say in confidence, I'm not looking for a show of hands, fathers have ever felt like ending their lives. Shock you how much people feel like ending their lives at some point. Where does that come from? It's demonic. Suicidal thoughts, people need to be set free. Oh, it's Ken. You didn't come here on a sunny Sunday morning to hear this stuff, did you? Beautiful stories. Imagine there was beautiful stories of people saying, I was once bound, I became a born-again Christian. Christ set me free completely. I once was and now am. Church should be resounding or set free stories. The work I met one of the most surprising things that I had 
want to throw a previous title at you so you can be impressed by my qualifications. I was a personal advisor at Teen Challenge. Isn't that amazing? You didn't need a qualification for it. People came to you for some personal advice. And you met him every week and you just gave him for you thought was good advice. Amazing the amount of people that was self-harming. Self-harming. That they just thought, I tried to understand the psychology of it. But some would feel emotional pain and try to take out a while by personal pain. The only way that they could cope with their emotional anguish was by cutting themselves. I've seen some severe messes. Where does that come from? I mean, the Bible gives us an answer. It's demonic. And people can be set free if we would allow Jesus to command passion for His people. Set Him free for this destructive behavior. How can some there just be joyful without hitting the bottle or hitting the pills or putting stuff up their nose and injecting things into their arm? Abusive behavior. does it come from? You're not a Christian. You'll hear your own answers. It's demonic. Ruins families. But yet Christ would command and say, passion for you consumes them. And he's not just here in the church to give you a pat on the back in your suffering and say, I just, you're born again. I'm okay with your suffering. I'm okay with your pain. I'm okay with the devil in a wild day in your life. He comes to drive out. He comes to set free. It might look messy like he's turning the tables in the marketplace in John, when you read the account in John. This is the Jesus I love. He says he fashioned a whip. It was premeditated attack. Like, this is not good enough. And the temple, this was supposed to be a holy place. People are gaining money out of people that just want to sacrifice to their God. And he got a whip when he did, you just see. Gentle, meek and mild Jesus, the lion came alive that day. Whipped him out, turned the tables, coins went our way, set the doves free, because you never have to pay for the Holy Spirit in the presence. Jesus, the deliverance, power of God, He was taking His temple back. Maybe you're in here this morning and you have opened a table, a stronghold, given the devil an area of your life. Well, He comes to set you free. Please do not leave here without speaking to us. This is not a moment I'm going to open up and it can be as gentle as Jesus come upon them in power set them free in Jesus' name, and I think it should be for me start strategizing about the future of this fellowship. I think deliverance ministry, we need to get people saved, and we need to get them set free through the power of Jesus. It's now let's see them repent, turn to Jesus, and then continue in the problems. I'm speaking amongst chums, isn't I? One of the drawbacks we've found with a drop-in, you start paying up with and just sympathizing we mess, messy lives. The design for God is always to be set free. I found it very helpless when folk didn't want Jesus, but just wanted to be five miles off a methadone. I'm like, I'll stay free. Okay. That's not free. Free 
this thing. Jesus has got you. He's apprehended you. Sun sets free. It's now just five miles less. And then you start championing that thing. As a Christian, you think, that's amazing, but I can the God's got me. You can? I'm not against methadone. I'm not against all that. That's for other professionals to work out. I am not a professional. I'm a pastor. And the extreme should always be, should become the normal. Get saved. Get free. It should, we over champion, we need to stop championing messy behavior. Well, that's great. Let's applaud that. Well done. Come back next week for a bacon roll. No. Jesus Christ can save you and can set you free. And if we are thinking seriously about seeing a move of God and the broch in a freedom center, I love feeding the poor. Better than feeding the poor is getting people saved and setting them free. Because people can get full bellies but still messed up lives. And the compassion ministers of the church should always continue, should always be helpful and be seen as be helpful. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, I preached about the power of being kind. But yet, it doesn't need to be an either-or. You can be kind and give people full bellies and be kind and get people full of the Holy Ghost. So, I want us to really pray and think about yourself. Maybe we need to catch up through the week. It could be a private place or there's people here more than capable of leading you in deliverance prayers. We've been through the training. We've done the training once. We've done the training twice. We just need to see God move in power and for Him to come into temples, His people, tip up a few tables, set people free and set them out in fire for Jesus. That's what we need to see and that's what we need to believe for. I said at the start, and I'm closing with us, that verse 14 was very important. Because only after that, said that the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. That should excite you. Once he dealt with the mess, then the healing started. Amen, Elsa. That was it. Because once the temple gets cleared, and people can, they're a temple of the Holy Spirit that they have been delivered, then God is priming up a community that others could come and get healed. Jesus could never do verse 14 in a messy temple. He couldn't do it. The scene was near set. He couldn't walk in there with the noise and money changing hands and clatter of pigeons and doves and voices and noise. He had to sort it out. When he sorted it out, then they came. Jesus couldn't have just pop a pulpit in the mess and say, right, I'm going to just do a healing ministry, people come. He set things right because there's a God order. It's not by default. He didn't walk into a revival. It's by God's design. God's design, get people set free, and then God will ensure that the sick will start to get healed because there'll be a bunch of people that cares the power of God and fed is to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm simply going to do this. I'm going to pray for hours that would be set free. Is that okay just to do a covering prayer? They'll maybe say, oh, I need this. I'm totally set free. Well, praise God, you're totally set free. So, you will have no problem we are prayer about freedom.
But it's so important that we realize, flee for sin, flee for honor sin, temple of the Holy Spirit, bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You're God's. You think you're not valuable enough? You look for Jesus paid to buy you. If I go into Tesco's, see a lump of beef, I don't care, and I bought a lump of beef at Tesco's in a while. Hey, Littles. And uh, the other thing, is it, is it worth 12 quid? Is it worth 12 quid? Because the price that attached it with a yellow label or a white label, you've got a value. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? When the Apostle Paul is saying, you are bought with the precious blood of Jesus, you've got to say, that's the worthiness that God saw me and the condition I was at in the mud to rescue me forevermore. So I think we should just hear a prayer to be set free, a prayer to be delivered. The church in the Western world will reserve the deliverance ministry for a certain few, and it's for the all. A son or a daughter of God he doesn't take no delight in tables for Satan in your heart. Why? Because he'll mess you up. He's a liar, comes to seek, steal, to destroy, and sometimes we think we're doing okay. A little bit here, a little bit there. Give the devil a foothold, turns into a stronghold, turns into a table. Jesus came to deliver us, set us free, and He's here. Let's stand in His wonderful presence, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, it blows our minds. We can only really receive this revelation through the Spirit. May I think about it, the may I might question why. But the truth that you would come and they just inhabit the presence of your people, that you would look upon us as a temple, a God Himself. And Jesus, we confess. Maybe you just want to hear a silent confession. I confess that sometimes I see you as up there and I'm doing here. And they really got to notice that I do. And I confess that my heart can be so wayward, I can get caught up in so different anxieties, so different behavior patterns that is near by God's design. And Jesus, I can so quickly default into my fleshly nature that goes against the Holy God. Praise God. Christ, you come into your temple afresh and breathe fresh life in us. Be truly sons and daughters of the living God and led by your presence and led by your spirit. We thank you that we are bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And we ask that you wouldn't just fill a temple, Kadabaldin, but Christ, you would come in in your fullness. And you would deliver us for evil. Deliver us for evil attitudes. Deliver us for evil thinking.
Deliver us from evil habits that ensnare us and twist us up. Come and move upon your people. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. God, I've did some great sins. I've made some big mistakes. But greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. God, would you drive out our intrusive thoughts our demonic activity in Jesus' name. That we would say darkness go in Jesus' name. That we would declare who the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name we are sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're sick of rooms within this temple that are now being used for the glorification of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we say, come Lord Jesus, have your way. Have your way, by your grace, by your mercy, and your power. For we want to see the sick made whole. We want to see the lame set free. We want to see the drug addict's life being turned around. We want to see marriages restored. And you will do it through a temple. And you will do it through temples that are wholly dedicated to a merciful Savior. Set your church on fire. Set your church on fire. Set your church on fire, we pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus. We've got to worship for a, just a second. God has made us. Hallelujah. In a slight, slightly awkward tone that we spoke about money changing hands, we need to give up tithes and offerings. But you're not buying freedom. It's our worship and our prayers before God. And with God-fearing leadership, the devil is squandering money on wild living. But we do want to help people through God's finances. Don't lose this moment. If you want set free, ask him. It's him you need, not me. It's him you need. Jesus.